Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. All right, amen. You're awesome, Dave. Y'all good this morning? Awesome. Hey, could we turn the lights up just so I can see everybody's awesome faces? All right, y'all ready for the word today? We need the word. Look at your neighbor and say, we need the word. Or you can say, we need his word. All right, well, we, we were out of town last Sunday, and, but I, Joel and Joy Sherry were here, and if you are here, I, I just keep hearing about awesome things. And, uh, and what the Lord released in the room. And, um, and we just feel like we've been feeling the effects of that all week, just in um, the prayer room and Wednesday night service. And so thankful for what Joel and Joy are carrying. And, um, and we just encourage you guys to support Commission Mankind and the work that they're doing. And uh, they consider themselves part of this family here. And so we want to just surround them and love on them. And, uh, and they're such a gift to the body. So all right. Well, I, I'm looking at the time and I'm like, man, I've got so much in such little time, but we're just going to go for it. And so, yeah. So Father, again, we just say yes to you today. Speak to us. Do what you want to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Come on. Are you ready to receive? I, I believe that the word of the Lord, it, he wants to impart something to you today. He doesn't just want to give you some words that you can forget 90% of them or even more than that, but he wants to impart something to your soul. And, um, and so I'm going to jump right in. Uh, the Lord gave me these two words last night because I felt like there were two things that the Lord had put in my heart all week. And I was like, Lord, what direction do you want to go? And he married the two things together. And so, but these two words, the first one is input and the second one is output. And I believe that this is what the kingdom of God looks like in your life is that there is a constant input and output to your life. And I want to give you two passages really quick to paint that picture. In John 15, if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn there and it's starting in verse five. This is a... um, this is a common, these actually, these two verses are very common in this house. We, we use these a lot. But the first one, Jesus says this, I am the sprouting vine and you are the, my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. That means we need to be connected to him, Right. No, we, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Nobody wants to be powerless, right? You are actually made to have the power of God residing in your life and flowing through you. That's what you were created for. You have been designed for that. You know, yesterday I was pressure washing here. We had a work day. So grateful for all the people who came and helped us. But I am, was fooling with the pressure washer and I was hooking up the hose. And the hose has the water, which is the source, Right? And you hook it to this machine, and this machine, I can't tell you exactly how it works. I'm not that guy who, like, I know what it does, but I can't tell you how it does it. But I can tell you this, is that that machine is meant to take that water, and it's meant to build up pressure, and then when released, it releases power to get a job done, right? And so when it is properly connected to that source of water, it has something that it can release, 
right? And I believe that we, you are designed like that pressure washer to release power, but you have to be connected to a source. You have to be connected to the source. And so if you are not connected to the source, that's why in John 15, Jesus says, you are powerless. And ultimately, in the kingdom, useless. And that might be harsh, but it's just the truth. is like without being connected to the source, we are rendered powerless. And so we must become utterly dependent on that source. Utterly dependent. I feel a lot of times what happens for believers is that we, we have this mindset of like, okay, Jesus did this for me. Now I'm gonna do my very best to do something for him. And we, we end up leaving the source in an attempt to please him. And the truth is, is that he doesn't want you to do anything apart from him. You can't do anything apart from him. Jesus, as the son of God, with, filled with the Holy Spirit, limitless, right? He said, I only do what I see the Father do. I, I am dependent on him. And so Jesus came in human weakness and showed us that, if, that we are actually designed to be connected to him and to actually, be, um, to actually have input of his life and then there be an outflow of it to the world around us, right? And so to, today, I want, I, next week, I'm going to be talking about the output. But today, I want to talk about the input. And we, we talk about this a lot, but I, I, I read this. Paul was telling... Um, I believe it was the Corinthians, he said, I don't mind telling you the same thing over and over because it's for your good. He said, I don't mind keep pressing this in because you need to know. You need to know it's actually for your salvation. And, um, and so there's this, I, I, wanna, I wanna give us another example and it's the, uh, with the woman at the well in John chapter four. So Jesus is going through a Samaritan village and, uh, and he shows up at Jacob's well and then he sent his disciples to a village to buy food. And it says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. She replied, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you would ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. Look at somebody and say living water. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket and the well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself along with his children and livestock? Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again. But if anyone drinks from the living water, I give them they will never be thirsty again. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit flooding you with endless life. So he's painting this picture again. Is he saying the living water you're connected to that source and what is gonna happen is it's gonna gush out of you. We saw two things happen in the New Testament when, as, as we received the, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised. So he, he, he dies, he's resurrected, he meets his disciples, he lays hands on them, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's meaning that they, they took on the Spirit of God who began to lead them and transform them and was a witness to who Jesus was inside of them. But then we know on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit comes upon them 
right? Comes upon them and they receive what? They receive power. So the Holy Spirit is meant to dwell within you and upon you that your life would have input and output. Amen? This is the life of the believer, no one here excluded, is that you all have access and you, and, and this week when we were in the prayer room, the Lord told me this, he said, now's the time that my body stops forfeiting the birthright like Esau. I believe it's a time where we stop forfeiting our inheritance that the Lord has for us, is that we've been given a great inheritance and the Holy Spirit has come that we would, um, he has come as a, as a seal of that inheritance. He has come to testify of that inheritance. He actually wants to lead you in how to walk out the inheritance that Jesus paid for in your life, amen? And so he is waiting and willing right now to commune with you, to fill you, to rest upon you. And so whenever, we, um, whenever COVID became a thing in 2020, it was like we were open for three months as a church and then, we had to shut down and it was crazy, right? But we uh, really, the Lord did like some beautiful things even during that time. And there was one um, evening where we were recording for a Sunday service in the back here in the prayer room. And, uh, and really the Lord just came in just such a, uh, it was all I could say was it was a holy moment. It was a moment where nobody wanted to move. Everybody just stopped playing their instruments. And there was just such a reverence for the Lord. And I remember standing there and the Lord telling me this. He said, I'm looking for resting places. And to be honest with you, I, did, I had no context for that I, at the time. I said, I don't, Lord, that sounds really awesome. And I wanna be that. I just don't know what it looks like. And over the last year and a half, I feel like the Lord has given me language for what that looks like and what it looks like for the church. And I believe that the Lord today is looking for resting places. He is looking for places where he can come and dwell. You were designed to be a dwelling place for the Lord. And I believe that the Lord is doing something in this hour where he is preparing us to become his spotless bride. And, you know, we hear about that and that doesn't mean that we all of a sudden just become perfect. I believe it's this, it's that the body, that the bride has this one singular focus and it's to know him and make him known. And I believe that's what he's doing. And so I wanna paint a picture really quick. I've got, got like 15, 20 minutes and maybe you guys will be really generous and give me some more time. But I'm gonna move. So I'm gonna talk about the source this morning, the input. David, um, one of my favorite people in the Bible, I believe David had a, he lived a prophetic life in which he showed us New Testament worship and New Testament leadership before it actually, Jesus actually came. But Jesus says this in Revelation 22, verse 16 through 17. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. He said, I am the root and the offspring of David. All right, so he's saying, I am the root and the offspring. He was saying this, I came before him and I came through him. All right, he is saying, and, and doesn't this paint the picture of even Jesus saying, I'm the vine and you're the branches. He's saying, this is how I work, is I work input, output. And even with David's life, I believe, so this is, this is the last chapter of the Bible. And Jesus is telling, this is a letter for the churches. And what he's saying is, I want you to look at David. I want you to look at David's life. I'm the root, I'm the one that grounds him. I am where he's, he came from and I came through him. 
So how many of you know David's life was important and we should look at it? And then he goes on to say, I am the bright morning star. And then he, the, it says the spirit. And so this is the, the spirit and the bride of Christ have this response to Jesus is the spirit and the bride say, come. And the one who hears says, come, let the one who is thirsty. Uh oh, we're talking about living water again now. Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. So Jesus is painting this picture where he's saying, he's, he, I, hey, I am living water. Y'all with me? And he's saying, we need to look at what David's life was. So let me, I'm gonna give you a lot of scripture in a short amount of time, but it's, it's all gonna tie together. David, as a shepherd boy, had, David always wanted to be a priest. He didn't wanna become a king. He wasn't pursuing becoming a king. He was pursuing becoming a priest. And what the Lord did was because of David's heart at a young age, the Lord promoted him to where he became a king who had the authority to commission priests. So not only did he have a priestly ministry, but he commissioned priests because he was the king. And I'm about to show you that picture. Is the, um, so Psalms 132, this would have been one of David's sons, probably Solomon writing this about their dad because of a conversation or a story they would have heard from their dad talking. And it says, Lord, please don't forget all the hardships David had to pass through and how he promised you Jacob's mighty God saying, I will not cross the threshold of my own home to sleep in my own bed. I will not sleep or slumber, nor even take time to close my eyes and rest until I find a place for you to dwell. O mighty God of Jacob, I devote myself to finding a resting place for you. So David, Jesus was the root. Jesus was the one I believe that was inspiring David, the son of God. The, the Holy Spirit was inspiring David to have this cry at a young age where he said, I don't want to even go to sleep until I make a resting place for you. Okay, this is important for us to see this. We're talking about input here. We're talking about the source. This is the key for us. Um, so David, let, let, me, let, me, uh, let me do this. Because I missed this. In Acts chapter 15, 15 through 17, there was a debate going on in the church. Um, there were people who had come and said, the Gentiles, they need to be circumcised like the Jewish people if they want to be saved. And it turned into this big debate. And they heard from Peter, they heard from Paul and Barnabas. And then the apostle James stands up and he says this. He could have gone anywhere in the Bible and, said, and talked about that, uh, the talk, giving a argument for why the Gentiles need nothing but the grace of God that they need nothing but the, what Jesus did for them, that they are saved by grace. He could have gone to all kinds of different scripture, but he chose to go to this place in the book of Amos in chapter 15. He said, the words of the prophets are in agreement with this. As it is written, after this, I will re return and build David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore. That is that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things. So this is in the New Testament. This is one of the apostles saying, this is what's gonna happen, is the Lord is rebuilding the tent of David. That's what the New Testament church is gonna look like. He's saying, this is what's gonna happen. And so then we, so again, we look at David had this cry that says, I wanna make a resting place for, for the Lord. 
So let's talk about, talk about how that happened. David, his first act as king, his first act as king was to bring the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God to Jerusalem and to create a resting place for it. He would say this is that I have houses made of cedar, but where does the Lord rest? I wanna make a resting place for the Lord. So David goes and if we look in 2 Samuel chapter six, y'all with me today? We're going somewhere. I'm about to tie this all together. David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all of his men went to Bala in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. They set, they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadad, which was on the hill. Lots of fun names to say. Uzzah and, I'm just gonna say Ohio, um, sons of Abnadad were guiding the new cart with the, with the ark of God on it, and Ohio was walking in front of it. I like that name, Ohio. Um, this is what happens. David had, was trying to do the right thing um, his way. He, he, God didn't need him to build a new cart. God didn't need him. You know, I, I think a lot of times in our lives, we are trying to, to to do something for God, but in our own way, in our own strength. And this was a picture of David. He, was, he, had, the, he had the right heart. I wanna make a resting place, but he, this, yeah, this, he tries to move the ark twice. First time unsuccessful, first time. Uh, second time was successful. You get it. Um, so this is what happened though, is that they were pushing the cart. One of the oxen stumbled. Um, this guy, uh, named Uzzah, he tried to steady the cart and he touched the ark, which was like a big no-no, and all of a sudden he falls dead, okay? David is angry, he's frustrated. David's like, I am trying to do the right thing. I am trying, Lord, can't you see? I'm trying to make a resting place from you. He's frustrated. He's like, Lord, what is going on? And previously to, to where the, the, the ark should have been in the tent of Abraham. It should have been in the Holy of Holies, but it shows the state of Israel at the time. It was actually in the home of a Gentile. They say that it was actually at least 20 years, maybe even up to 100 years that the ark was not in the, in the tent of Abraham where all the sacrifices happened. A few weeks ago, Pastor Nick talked about that, about the inner courts, uh, about the outer courts, inner courts, and holy of holies. If you've been around church for any amount of time, you've probably heard about the tabernacle of Moses. I'm sorry, not Abraham. Um, Abraham's awesome too, but it was the tabernacle of Moses. And, um, but how many of you have ever heard about the tabernacle of David, about David's tent? Few of you. And, um, and so David is trying to, to bring this and he's frustrated because he's like, this Gentile home is, is blessed and we're trying to move this and make things right, but we were doing it all in our own way. And so they send the ark to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, who was also a Gentile. Okay, and just so you know, Gentiles at the time, there was this thing where they weren't supposed to um, have any place in the Lord, right? Jesus hadn't come yet and redeemed. But there's this prophetic picture. What I'm trying to give you a picture of is that David's life and what he's doing is a prophetic picture of what the church is today and where our hearts are supposed to be. So it goes to Obed-Edom, and for three months, Obed-Edom's home becomes blessed. 
Their family becomes blessed. You can probably, David was even madder. Like, what is going on? I'm trying to make a resting place for the Lord. Someone dies. And now this other guy, his house is becoming blessed, okay? Then in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verse one, if you guys could put it up, says, after David had constructed buildings for himself in the city of David, he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Let's keep going. Then David said, no one but the Levites may carry the ark of God because the Lord chose them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister before him forever. David assembled all Israel in Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to the place he had prepared for it. He called together the descendants of Aaron and the Levites from the descendants of Kohath, Uriel, the leader, and 120 relatives. From the descendants of Merari, Asiah, the leader, and the 220 relatives. From the descendants, all right, skip, skip that one. We get the point, keep going, keep going. Then David summoned Zadok and Abiathar the priest and Uriel. All right, keep going. <laughs> he said to them, you are the heads of the Levitical families. You and your fellow Levites are to consecrate yourselves and bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. Next verse. It was because you, the Levites, did not bring it up the first time that the Lord our God broke out in anger against us. We did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. He said the first time we tried to do it, we didn't ask God how he wanted to do it. We didn't actually get connected to the source. We, didn't, we wanted to do the right thing, but we didn't actually ask him how he wanted to come. And we didn't, we didn't actually commission the Levites who are the ones who are meant to minister to the Lord day and night. We didn't have them carry the ark. They were the only ones who were supposed to do it. All right, keep going. And the Levites carried the ark of God with the poles on their shoulders and Moses had commanded in accordance with the words of the Lord. David told the leaders of the Levites to appoint their fellow Levites as musicians to make a joyful sound with musical instruments, lyres, harps, and cymbals. Lyres are like instruments. They're not like lyres. You know, they don't put people lying at the... So the Levites appointed He-Man, He-Man, son of Joel, from the relatives, Asaph, son of Berechiah, and from their relatives, the... Ethan, son of Cushai. Come on, let's keep going. And with them, their relatives. All right, so this is important. Okay, look with me. Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom, he's a Gentile. Obed-Edom, he's a gatekeeper. David David said, Obed-Edom, this guy who isn't supposed to have inheritance here, this Gentile, doesn't that look like what the new covenant did? is that we weren't, we weren't God's people, but then we became God's people. But Obed-Edom, he, David commissions him as a gatekeeper in, his, in the tent. Y'all with me here? This is good stuff. This is a picture of what, this, this was a prophetic picture, and I believe the Lord is restoring David's tent. So keep going. In 19, the musicians, He-Man, Asaph, and Ethan were to sound the bronze cymbals, 20. Zechariah, Jaziel, all these names that are so hard to say. Play the liars according to the Alamoth. Goodness, keep going. <laughs> keep going. All right, two. okay, there we go. They, doorkeepers for the ark. This is what's happening, is David is putting all these places, these people, 
to minister to the Lord in the ark. Go to, go to 24. These are pictures that, yeah, here we go. So David and the elders of Israel and the commanders of the units of a thousand went to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom with rejoicing. So this is what happens. They bring the Ark to, and set it in the tent. And as they would go, this is what happened. Every six feet, they would, they would sacrifice a bull. Every six feet. I don't know how long they went, but I have to imagine by the, as they are going through, this was a messy scene. This was a messy scene. There would have been a river of blood. There would have been a river of blood. This whole picture was prophetic. Is that there, but this is what happens is they got to the tent of David, to the doorway, and there was one last sacrifice made. And from that moment on, once they brought the Ark of the Covenant, there was no more sacrifices made in the tent of David. It was a prophetic picture of that there was one sacrifice, final sacrifice. The Ark is placed in the tent, David commissions worshipers and gatekeepers to minister to the Lord 24-7. You know how much David paid a year to have um, musicians and gatekeepers? He would have spent $1 billion a year. $1 billion a year to commission ministry to the Lord. The Lord is restoring the tent of David. I'm not telling the musicians that we're going to pay you a million bucks or anything like that. But, but this is the ministry that we have been given this is the ministry that we've been giving, talking about our source, our input. David, the Lord is wanting to restore and to build up again the tent of David, where we are a people that surround the Lord and we have made him the center and we have said, it's all about you. Where Jew and Gentile alike, where a people who weren't your people have become your people. And Lord, we have made you as our source. And as, as we begin to worship and praise, and as we begin to, so it, this is what happens. We minister to his heart, we get his heart, and then we minister his heart. Right? This is what you're called to. You are meant to have input and output, but it starts with this. It starts with like David, his heart saying, I want to make a resting place for the Lord. See, um, Moses' tabernacle would have had three parts. It would have had the outer courts, inner courts, and the Holy of Holies. And the goal was with um, going into to, um, Moses' tabernacle was not to die, okay? That was the goal, like, don't die. Like, go into the Holy of Holies, you better be consecrated. But David, he pitched a big tent, and it was wide open, and there was just the ark in the center. It was saying Jesus is the center. David actually, if you read in Revelations 4 and 5, there is a picture of the throne room in heaven where the elders and the angels are all surrounding the throne and it's, it's constant worship to him. David, he built his tent. I, I think just by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he built the tent to look like the throne room of God. Are with me? And what I'm, maybe you're saying like, you're giving me all this stuff. What I am saying is this, is Jesus is meant to be the center and the Lord is wanting to rebuild the tent of David to where we in our hearts again say, Lord, we have reverence for you, that you have become our source and our everything, that everything we do is unto you, that we don't do anything apart from you. We are not trying to build something apart from you. We need you. And I believe that the Lord is restoring honor and reverence for his name again to where it's the cry of Jesus was, I don't wanna do anything I don't see the Father doing. If he's not doing it, I don't wanna do it. I wanna be with him. I wanna be grounded in him, secure in him, and from this place, I live my life. 
And I believe that many times what it has looked like in the body is we have tried to do something for God and we have built a new cart for the Lord and said, we're going to do it this way. And the Lord's saying, I just want you to inquire of me. If you would just ask me, if you, if your heart wouldn't just be to do something for me, but to actually be connected to me, then there would be output in your life. Amen. Um, yeah, you can give the Lord a hand. I want to end with this. First Chronicles 17. This was what the Lord told David after he established his tent. Um, he said, I declare to you that, well, this is the prophet Nathan telling David. He said, I declare to you that the Lord will build a house for you. When your days are over and you go to be with your ancestors, ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. One of your own sons and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me and I will establish his throne forever. This is talking about Jesus. This is his kingdom. It's his, it's his throne um, I will be his father and he will be my son. I will never take my love away from him as I took away my love from your predecessor. I will set him over my house and my kingdom forever. His throne will be established forever. The throne is the tent. David's throne was the tent. The place where he said, Jesus, Lord, you are our everything. We, we give you our hearts. Why do we have a prayer room here? It's not just, it is because we are setting a table to commune with the Lord. It is putting him at the center. It is not just so that we can have the church doors open more. Look, our team, our, our worship team, our musicians, they sacrifice a lot coming early in the morning. Some, some of them, I told them at the beginning of us starting a prayer room, and, I be, and we did that because the Lord told us to do it, not because it was a good idea. But I told them, there are gonna be times you're singing to an empty room. But it's not about that. It's about that you're ministering to his heart. We're creating an atmosphere, an atmosphere where the Lord is the center and he's honored. And I believe that the Lord is wanting to commission us as his body to minister to him. Where the goal of our lives are to say, Jesus, you be honored, be glorified. We want to know you. Where it's not us just trying our best to do the next good thing but it's where we have established honor for him in our hearts, reverence for him, where, you know, you, you will not change your life because you just said, you know what, I'm gonna try and change my behavior. Your life is changed and transformed whenever you allow him to restore honor and reverence in your heart for him. You become holy when you encounter the holy one. And that's what it's about is that we wanna encounter him. We don't want to just do for him. We want to encounter him. And you become what you behold. You behold him, you become like him. And that's what you were meant to be. It's what you were meant to do. You are designed to be connected to him. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Get the, the team to come up. Or just Abby is fine. I, um, bless you. I, uh, I felt like I was supposed to tell this story because um, for me, it was the moment I, I think I really, uh, the Lord painted this picture for me as far as input, output. Um, 
I think I was about 18, maybe 19 years old. And I was, I had, I loved, I loved the presence of the Lord. I, I didn't want to do anything. I, I, there was a time in my life where I wanted to just play sports and basketball growing up. And then there was this shift that happened whenever I really met Jesus. And it was, and I was just like, none of this stuff is, I still love playing basketball and sports, but man, I, I, I didn't, to be honest, I just, all I wanted was him. And I remember I was actually heading to a prayer meeting and I was still learning to hear the Lord's voice and honestly didn't really know what his voice sounded like. But I knew I was in this season of life where, he, where my eyes were just on him. My eyes were just on him. He's all I wanted. And I remember driving and I, uh, I was driving down this road and I saw this lady sitting on the side of the road. And, and, and I, wanna get, I, I wanna tell this story as the 19 year old me because maybe you're like, well, you know, you're a pastor, stuff like this probably happens all the time. And it really, it's, it's not like that. But I, what, my, what I'm trying to say as I tell this story is that the Lord wants there to be input and output from your life as you're connected to the source. This is the type, the, your life should be a great adventure with Jesus. There should be a great adventure. This should be a glorious life. And so I'm driving, I see this lady on the side of the road and she is like right next to the line where at any point if somebody doesn't see her, they're gonna hit her and it's not gonna be good. And I see her and I'm thinking, well, that's weird. And I pass her up and I, I keep driving and the Lord speaks to me, he says, she's contemplating suicide. She's coming for, she just had a relationship that became broken, turn around and go talk to her. And I'd never had anything like that happen in my life. I was like, what in the world? I was like, I'm thinking crazy thoughts. And, um, and but the Lord just kept speaking to me again. So I turn around and I go and I park and I walk and I, I probably should have like said, hey, let's come over here. But I just went and sat down next to her on the side of the road. I said, ma'am, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like the Lord has told me that you are contemplating suicide, that you just had a broken relationship and, um, and that it's, it's taken everything from you. And the lady just starts crying. And I told her, I said, do you know Jesus? She said, I know about Jesus, but I don't know him. And just began to lead her to Jesus. And it was a moment where his presence was there. It was awesome. It was good. And I said, let me give you a ride home. And so we give her a ride home. And the whole way home, she didn't believe that I was, she was like, you're, you, you are not a person. You are an angel. And she couldn't believe it. Right. And she's like, this doesn't happen. I was like, I don't even know what's happening right now. And, um, this isn't my normal. This is first time for me, something like this happening. But I felt like I wanted to tell you that story because I believe that is the adventure, the life adventure that the Lord has for you where these, these moments where there's a broken world around you, but because you are connected to the source that has the solution for everything in the world, that it, it can no longer be about us just gathering and having our thing. We, we gather for him and his thing. And as we leave, there is a natural output to our lives that begins to touch the world around us. And that's what it's meant to look like. And nobody, not one of you is incapable or excluded from that. He wants to be your source and he wants there to be an output. You know, when in John 15, when Jesus said, I'm the vine and you're the branches, he said, when you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. I had this satsuma tree. I promise you I'm landing right now. I had this satsuma tree that was very we just moved to this house and it was a beautiful tree. And we noticed there's a lot of fruit on this tree and the, the more mature this tree got, all of the fruit just began to droop down low to the ground. And we're like, man, this beautiful tree while it's full of fruit has become kind of ugly. 
It's like it's droopy, but it's, it's so full of fruit, but it's like bowing down almost. And, and I believe this is what happens whenever we're connected to him and he's our source is that there is fruit of your life. And it's not just meant to be looked at, but it's meant to be eaten. And it's for the nations, it's for the people around your life. And what will happen is as you are deeply connected is that you'll actually tend to bow low for broken people and for broken things so that people can eat. And that's what our lives, I believe that's what the church is supposed to look like. Where we're willing to go low for people, but that we have something to give them. Have something to give others around you. You can't give anything that you don't have, right? So come on, let's do this. Let's just lift our hands to heaven this morning. And, and I'm asking that you just take a moment with the Lord and say, Lord, I need input. I need you as my source. It's this simple thing of like, Lord, I, I believe today the Lord is wanting to, com- like David commissioned worshipers and singers and gatekeepers, I believe the Lord is wanting to commission us to be a people who have made him the source and who have made him our center and our everything. And maybe not everybody will get that, but I believe maybe there's even just 10% of people in the room that would say, Lord, I feel like that's what you're calling me to is just to be someone who knows how to minister to your heart. So even today, Lord, we repent for doing things our own way, for thinking that we have to do something apart from you, Lord, or trying to just do a bunch of stuff. Jesus, we say we need you as our source. We need you. And we just invite you even right now to come and to be our everything. We wanna be utterly dependent on you, utterly dependent on you. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, awesome. We're gonna have our prayer team up here. If we can pray with you, we'd love to. Um, There'll be communion in the back if you and your family wanna take communion. Also, we, are, we have a couple of baptisms that are gonna be happening in the baptismal outside. We'd love for you to come surround those people who have made that decision. If you're here in the room and you say, I wanna be baptized, let's do it. We'll, we'll make it happen. So. Um, our pastoral team will be out there at the baptismal and we'll love to pray with you and to see you baptized. So go and have an amazing day. We love you and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you for tuning in to our Sermon of the Week. For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.